We are honored this we are honored this morning to have our children's choir coming to sing for us this morning. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Becca, for your leadership. We look forward to them leading us in worship this morning.
Go ahead and remain standing. We're going to take a time here. We welcome you. Thank you for joining us for worship today. If you're our guest, we especially welcome you and remind you that we have a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. Uh, just go by and pick up one of those bags. But we are so glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Take time to greet those around you this morning. <laughs> be the name of the Lord. You join as we continue in worship. Oh, 
song what a great message and song that he is a way maker and a miracle worker and we trust in God know that he is working even when we can't feel him even when we can't see him God is at work thank you for coming out on this beautiful day to worship the Lord in this place I'd like to welcome you here as well as well as those of you watching online with us thank you so much for being a part of this time of worship together we pray that wherever you are that you would feel the holy spirit and know that god is making a way for you and making a way for me to grow in his likeness and every week there's an opportunity for us if you feel led by the holy spirit 
to come to this altar to pray. Certainly you can pray wherever you are. But man, God is able, and God wants to give you his supernatural strength today, his comfort, his love. We've had so many folks in our church family that have lost loved ones over the last several days. We want to remember them in prayer, and I guarantee you in a group this size, and for those of you watching, many of you are hurting, you're battling sickness or illness or depression or loneliness, anxiety, fear. You're wondering if God has forgotten about you and why is God allowing this to happen to me? Or some of you maybe have even said, why is God doing this to me? But the truth is God can grow us through these seasons of hardship and pain and trial and tribulation and he makes a way for us even in the midst of our suffering so if you feel led by his spirit to come kneel at this altar or stand or or to pray wherever you are i invite you to come as we lift up our prayers together would you come pray with me today sung so many times that praise chorus it's all about you it's all about you Jesus Father we have come to humble ourselves before an almighty God asking that you would lift us up in the midst of our grief our suffering our pain God we have so many that have experienced loss and our church family and extended family of faith Father we pray for Carrie Durrett and Bill and the loss of, of Carrie's mother. Father, we pray for Sandy Jones and Lloyd and the loss of Sandy's father. Lord, I pray for Larry Perkins and his family and the loss of his son. Father, I pray for Doris Satterley and the loss of her sister. Father, I pray for Jonathan Thompson, who just shared with me the loss of his aunt. I pray that you would comfort the Thompson family. Father, I pray for so many others who have loved ones that are barely hanging on, those that are trying to recover from this pandemic, people that are battling other health issues. God, what a joy it is to see my friend, my brother in Christ, Chad Hill, here today. and Lord, you know I pray daily for miracle of healing to be upon him and his body. Bless his family, I pray. And Father, we pray for so many needs. There are families that are divided today. Would you bring healing? Father, there are folks that are looking for love and relationship. I pray, God, that you would 
close the wrong doors and open the right doors so that people might experience the love they're looking for. There are people that have been praying for a miracle of healing. And Lord, we know that you are still the Lord of miracles. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray if it be your will that you would heal them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, heal them in every way, and that you would be glorified through it, and that people might be saved as a testimony of your power. Father, I know there are folks that are experiencing all kinds of emotion and heartache today, and I pray that you would be the great comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, which ministers to us when our strength is not enough. Father, we continue to pray for this pandemic to end once and for all, that you would continue to bless our leaders as they make decisions, continue to bless, Father, our country and bring revival and spiritual awakening. Father, I pray that every church would be filled once again with people hungering and thirsting after Jesus because you are our only hope. And Father, I pray today if there are those here or those watching that have never given their heart and life fully surrendered to Jesus, that today someone, many, would come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that Christians would ask for forgiveness and repent and come back to you and start living a life that's holy and pleasing. Father, I'm grateful for this church, for the love and fellowship that we share and the common bond that brings us together, our love for Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through this service, that you would continue to play and sing through our musicians and instrumentalists. Thank you for the beautiful children's choir. And Father, I pray that they would always sing about the love of Jesus all the days of their lives, and that we would too. Father, that you would just give me strength and that your Holy Spirit might take control. Speak through your word and speak through your servant. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our hearts' eyes that we might see you and experience you in a life-changing way. For we love you and we pray all these things by faith in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and as you're doing that, I'm grateful that our choir is here to lead us. Thank you all for being here today to sing for us and be in prayer for them and Bill as he leads. And again, grateful for the beautiful children uh, that sang this morning. And it does my heart, gives my heart so much joy to see children singing about Jesus. 
And I pray that we would always uh, be ready to sing and give praise to the only one who is worthy. And I pray today that if you have your Bible, you would join with me, beginning with verse 1 of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Thank you all. What a beautiful song. And I love that song. And he does love you and me today. And again, if you don't get anything out of this service, know how much he loves you and he forgives you for whatever you've done or not done in your life. But I always like to share a little humor. And this is really something you've heard me share. Some of you all in past times, this is an honor or in memory of my father who I used to hear share this along this time of year. My dad shared that when he and my mom had only been out a few times, that he felt like he was falling in love with her. And uh, my dad had walked her to the door one night, and he was wanting to, to kiss her, but he was nervous about it. My dad said whenever he was uneasy or was nervous about something, he'd always go to the Lord in prayer, which I do too, and I'm sure you do too. And so my dad said he walked my mom to the door and he said he breathed a prayer, Father, Father, up above, should I kiss this girl that I love? And he said it was silent for just a moment. Then he heard the voice of God say, Sinner, sinner down below, pucker up and let her go. And then my dad would go on to say, as I pressed a kiss on her lips, what could I do but linger? As I ran my fingers through her hair, a cootie bit my fingers. <laughs> I can still hear my dad saying that. Today is a special day, isn't it? Number one, it's special because this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. How many of you all are rejoicing in the Lord this morning? Hopefully all of us are rejoicing. Today is a special day because this is Valentine's Day Eve. How many of you all are going to tell somebody you love them today or tomorrow? Anybody? Yeah, about two of us, three of us are going to tell somebody we love them today. That's, that's good. But today is also a special day. This is Super Bowl Sunday. Can you all believe it? Who day, right? Who day? No. no. Whoever wins, it's okay. Rams or the Bengals. So we uh, just, uh, this is an exciting time for a lot of folks. But over the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Rebuilding God's way. And the purpose of this series is after the devastation that this ongoing pandemic has done on our church and upon our lives, we have very much needed to rebuild, to rebuild God's way. And we've been looking at some principles that have been tried, true, and proven to help us rebuild our church and to rebuild our lives in the way God would have us to go, in the way God would have us to live. Last week, if you were here, if you watched, we looked at the importance of faith in our growing and rebuilding. Hebrews 11:6. and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me ask you this morning, are you earnestly seeking God? Because if you are, God will bring blessing 
and reward upon your life. Certainly, if not on this side, on the other side, but I believe God can bring blessing on our lives even on this side of eternity. And today in our scripture, it's a passage that we've studied before. It's, it's a passage out of Ephesians 4 where Paul is writing a letter not only to the church at Ephesus, but it's believed to have been a circular letter that went to other churches, other Christian churches. And Paul was writing to encourage these believers to live out God's eternal purposes for their lives and to accomplish God's high goals for his church. And so when Paul writes this letter, he's bringing the importance of what will be our sixth principle today, which is harmony or unity. Now, whatever age you are, whatever stage you are in life, whether you're young or old, single, married, on a team, a member of a church, or not a member of any church, the fact is the key ingredient for success wherever you are and whatever you do is unity and harmony. If you want God's blessings to be upon your life and upon your family, we must have harmony and unity. Even Pastor Rick Warren in that best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life, said that unity in the, in the church is so important that it mentions more about unity in the New Testament than it does heaven or hell. He went on to say that unity is the soul of fellowship. He said, destroy it and you rip the heart out of Christ's body. He said, if you are a Christian, it is your job to protect the unity of God's church. And even Pastor Bob Russell in his book, When God Builds a Church, said, God blesses harmonious churches, but he will not bless our lives when we stand in opposition or division, whether it's in your own home or in your workplace or on your team or in God's church. Unity is vitally important. And in this scripture today, it starts out in verse 1 that Paul said, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Indeed, he was a prisoner of the Lord. As a matter of fact, he is believed to have been in prison in Rome. Again, not in that uh, Mamertine dungeon that he wrote 2 Timothy, uh, but he was in his own rented house where he was free to impart the gospel to whoever came to him. Even though there was someone maybe chained uh, to him, he was still able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love. But he said, as a prisoner of the Lord, I, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know what calling that is? We have been called to be on God's team. We have been called to be on God's team. And I don't know about you, I am humbled and honored to be on God's team. And I'm grateful because guess what? God's team is the team that brings victory. 
and ultimately wins. And I pray that we would all desire to be on God's team. And then Paul began to give five nuggets of truth or five pearls of wisdom or five keys to victory like a coach would. He gave five keys of victory to help us to accomplish that unity or harmony that he so desires for his children and for his church. And the first one is humility. He said in verse 2, be completely humble. Now, humility has been called uh, the greatest of all virtues. Now, when you think of humility, I don't know about you, but there is an unworthiness that comes to mind. When we humble ourselves, we are feeling unworthy. What we're doing is we're measuring ourselves next to Jesus Christ. And when we measure ourselves, when Jesus is our standard, we all fall short, don't we? When we're next to Jesus. And Jesus is our example. And Jesus was the one who modeled for us when in John chapter 13, when he was preparing his disciples for his crucifixion, when Jesus took off his outer garment and he tied a towel around his waist and he got down on his knees and he began to wash his disciples' feet. It said in John 13 verse 15, he said, I have done this for you to set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He was trying to teach them humility. And I believe God is all the time trying to teach us humility. Pastor Bob Russell would go on to say that the number one cause of division in a church is pride. Is pride. And how many of us are here today and we need to swallow pride. We need to work on allowing God to humble us. We know in Proverbs 16, 18 that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. In the book of James chapter 4, verse 6, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we know how important it is for us to be humble as followers of Christ and know that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. There was a, an analogy that God gave to me. I, I was thinking about as this is the time of year. You watch a lot of basketball, a lot of college basketball, and uh, going to be watching football today. But I thought about, for example, on a team, say, like Kentucky. Um, did any of y'all ever watch Kentucky play? But I was thinking about all the McDonald's All-Americans and all of the great players they have on their team. Well, only five can be on the court at one time. And as a result, all of these guys who were superstars in high school scoring 25, 30 points a game, then they come to a a powerhouse basketball program with all these other McDonald's All-Americans, and they have to sit on the bench. And either they accept their role, or either there's team dissension. Have you ever seen when a camera is panned to a bench, and you see the displeasure, like when somebody does a massive dunk, or 
somebody strokes a three or whatever, and they'll show the bench, and you'll see four or five guys standing, cheering, and then inevitably you'll see a guy sitting there like this. That's the guy who didn't accept his role, and as a result, it brings team dissension. And usually that's a guy that many times will transfer. I think about Johnny Juzang, who didn't get to play much at Kentucky, and now he's a star at UCLA. But the fact is, God always has a place. But we must all know that we have an ability, we have a role to play, and every single one of us and every single one of you are important to the team. That we must use our giftedness and play our role so that we can see God continue to bring many victories. My wife reminded me of that little acrostic you probably learned as a child. What does team stand for? Together, everyone achieves more. That's, that's being a part of the team, a part of God's team. And the first step, again, whether you're on a team or your workplace or in a church, there must be humility. But not only does he say that we uh, must be completely humble, but he says, and gentle. Another translation for gentle might be meekness. And we've talked about meekness, that strength under control. And we've also talked about that the meaning of that meekness or gentleness, the Greek adjective is prouse. And that's the word used when an animal is being trained or domesticated and it has been brought under control. Now, when we are brought under control, it's not self-control, it is God-controlled. And so when we are gentle, we are allowing God to control our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you today, are you being controlled by the Holy Spirit? Are you being controlled by your earthly nature? Are you being controlled by evil desire? But the fact is, we are to practice gentleness. I think about Proverbs 15.1 that says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Are you gentle in the way that you respond to people, or are you angry? And Jesus even called himself a gentle person. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give your soul rest or peace, or you will find rest for your soul. So we know that Jesus was a humble, gentle, meek, strength under control, and uh, even had one commentator to say it's, it's uh, knowing when to be angry and knowing when not to be angry. Jesus had a righteous anger, but he was strength under control. And he knew when it was time to speak and when it was time to be silent. And I'm so grateful today that if we want to achieve success in whatever realm, church, our home, relationships, on your team, whatever it may be, we must practice humility and gentleness. But then the third key to victory, he says to be patient. 
to be patient. Well, we know that gentleness was a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience is the fourth. Gentleness was the eighth fruit of the Spirit. Well, patience has also been called long-suffering. And we many times must long suffer. But Christian patience, we don't give up. When our situation is bleak, when we are discouraged, or when we feel defeated, we do not accept defeat because God can strengthen us in our time of waiting. We've had to be patient through these last couple of years, haven't we? Or we've tried to be patient. And some of us have been more patient than others. And sometimes God is working through this situation to grow us in his likeness. I think about that passage we share often out of Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Another translation would say, but those who hope in the Lord. And the way we can be patient is by hoping in the Lord. And why should we be patient? Because he's patient with you and me. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, Paul considered himself the worst of sinners. And he said, but because of your great mercy, you displayed an immense patience with me as an example for those who would believe and receive eternal life. Paul understood that God was patient with him. That's why Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he said, uh, some do not understand slowness as it is said, but God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Do you know why I believe Jesus hadn't come back yet? Because he's being patient for some of you to come to know him as Lord and Savior. He's given another chance for us to come to Christ, to ask for forgiveness, to repent from our sin, to get our lives on track. And if you want success and victory in your life, there must be humility. There must be gentleness. We must be patient with one another, patient with your spouse, patient with your children. Would someone say to you, I admire you because you're a really patient person. Would someone, would your spouse say that you're such a patient person? Would your child say you're such a patient person? Would someone say you're such a patient Christian? Or would they be shocked? But not only do we have patience, but we also have love. We read on in verse 3, it says that we are to bear with one another in love. And you know what word is used for love right here is the Greek word agape. And it means uh, really uh, an unconquerable type of love. It's sacrificial, it's unconditional, and that's the kind of love God has for you and for me. An agape kind of love and when we are to bear with one another that means we are to try to love one another even when we don't always see eye to eye 
I recently said to someone what we've always said at this church is we can agree to disagree and still love each other. You don't have to see things like I see. I don't have to see things like you see. But at the end of the day, even when my wife and I have an intense moment of fellowship, there's no doubt at the end of the day that we love each other. That's not ever called into question. And I, and I think about what uh, Ruth Graham said about Billy Graham, said in all their years of marriage when he was off preaching crusades all over the world and she was home taking care of, of all six of their children, she said, never once did I ever consider divorce. She said, I considered murder, but I never, <laughs> never once considered divorce. And so many times we must bear with one, love one another. John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Verse 16 of 1 John 4, God is love. Verse 19, we love because Christ first loved us. That's why we love, because he showed his Love for us, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what did Jesus tell his disciples as he has, had just washed their feet in John 13, 34, and 35? A new command I give you. You should love one another as I have loved you. So you must Love one another. And then what did he say in verse 35? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me ask you, do you love your neighbor? Do you love your coworker? Do you love your rebellious child? Do you love, do you love your, your wife, your husband? Do you, do you love that person on your team, your coach, your teacher? sometimes people that have hurt us. Agape love is loving those who have insulted us and injured us. We love them anyway. What did Jesus say from the cross? He was the only perfect person ever to live. And what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's the kind of love we are to have. That's the kind of love the world must see in and through you and in and through me. I love a story that Dr. David Jeremiah shared out of his book, Signs of Life. And Dr. Jeremiah shared a story that Dr. Harry Ironside had shared about a missionary who was in China interpreting the Bible, putting the Bible into the Chinese language. And to assist him, he had an eminent Chinese scholar who was helping him translate the Bible into Chinese. And he said after, and this was a Confuciusness, a Fuciusist, and he said as he was translating the Bible when the project was almost complete, this missionary said to this Chinese scholar, he said, we've worked side by side days and weeks and months. And he said, has the beauty of the new, it was translating the New Testament into Chinese, has, has the beauty 
of the New Testament caused you to want to give your life to Christ? Do you want to be a Christian? And the Chinese scholar said, I'm telling you, he said, it certainly is very appealing to me, and I have not seen such a great amount of ethics in all my life. And he said, if I were to see a Christian, I imagine that I might consider becoming one myself. Well, the missionary said, I am a Christian. And the scholar said, please, sir, take no offense. But as I've been working alongside you, I've been watching you and listening to you. And he said, I have heard you speak unkindly about people. I've watched as your scripture says that God will meet all your needs, yet I've seen you not trust in him. I've seen you get so upset and concerned if your check was a day late. And he said, I have not seen, as your scripture says, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He said, I'm sorry, I've not seen that. The missionary was struck hard. He instantly began to sob. He asked God for forgiveness. Then he asked that Chinese scholar, please, please forgive me. I am so sorry that I have not modeled what it means to be a Christian. And at the end, the Chinese expert said, I guess maybe now I have seen a Christian after all. Think about what a watching world sees and hears when they see or hear you or me. Do you think that's making them want to be a Christian, want to be in God's church, want to live for Jesus? Or they would say, when I see a Christian, then I might consider becoming one. May we model, may we live out what it means. May we show him we love him by the way that we live. Our actions speak louder than our words, always. But the fourth key to victory is love, and the last key is peace. In verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are called as God's family to keep unity and to keep peace as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, live in peace with everyone. And that really was one of the key factors of why the New Testament church in Acts 2 began to explode. In Acts 2.44, it said all the believers were together and had everything in common and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You look on over in Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Jesus even said in that great sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 verse 9, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, not cheesemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I don't know about you, but I'm humbled and honored to be called a child of God. Not worthy, but I'm thankful that he loves me and loves you anyway, in spite of ourselves. Now I want to close with two stories. Uh, one of which Bob Russell shared in, in his book, When God Builds a Church. He said when his sons were teenagers, he heard a terrible commotion coming from their upstairs bedroom. He said his two sons were fist fighting. They were up there fist fighting. And he said, I know this surprises some of you all. You all thought that all preachers' families did were sit in a circle and pray and read the Bible together. <laughs> and he said, they were in an all-out fist fight, and he goes, I had to go up and break it up and said, what are you all doing? Why can't you get along? And he said, it broke his heart to see his children, his sons, fighting, hurting one another. He said, how much more does it hurt our Heavenly Father when He sees His children fighting with one another? It grieves the Holy Spirit when we as Christians cannot love and get along and live in peace. Strife is a sin. When we allow strife to come in, you know who gets the glory? The devil gets the glory and the victory. God isn't honored. The devil's glorified. So we must do our part in keeping peace, protecting God's church, protecting our homes, protecting our relationships, not allowing the devil to have any glory or victory. Now here's the second story that I close with. Linda, I think about Jerry Tabor saying, you said that 15 minutes ago. <laughs> but I close with this. Rick Warren in his book, said that when he, in Purpose Driven Life, that when he and their church settled back community, which he recently retired, even though he still has ministry, retired as pastor, but he said when someone would join the church, they would ask him if they would sign a commitment card to protect the unity of the church. So when they joined, that's what they were asked to do. They, they had to sign a card that I will protect the unity of the church. Well, when that book had first come out, we were across the street at the little church. I went through every chapter of that book in a study with the whole church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday I went through that whole book. And when we got to that part, we didn't ask people to sign a card, but I said, if you are willing to commit to protect the unity of this church where God's spirit is, is alive and moving, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar to make a commitment. And I want you to know at that time, in that little church, every single family came to that altar except one couple, and they, because of health reasons, were not able, and they raised their hand, they told me, we're making a commitment, we just didn't come up front. And I was so touched. And I want to be honest with y'all, I believe with all my heart that is one of the greatest reasons why God has blessed Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church so much 
because we have been united. My little girl just reminded me of the Kentucky uh, slogan, United we stand, divided we fall. As Christians, look, the enemy is out there. As a matter of fact, James in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the battles that wage within? You want something, but you do not have. You kill and you covet. And we must stand together and not allow the devil to have any glory or victory so his church will rise again, that we will rebuild in his likeness. And I prayed about this, and, you know, I never want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But in a moment, when we have an invitation, if, if you should feel led to come to this altar to make a commitment, I'm going to ask you to do that. Or maybe you just want to raise your hand. Or maybe you just want to do that privately with the Lord. And I know some of you all may not want to come down from the back. But I think in a season when we've been divided over this crazy pandemic, we've been divided race-wise, we've been divided politics, we've been divided, and so it's time for God's church to come together and stand against the enemy, which is Satan. Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't let him have the victory as we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment First, Lord, if there's someone here or watching and they've never fully surrendered their life to Jesus, may today be the day that they confess their sin, ask for forgiveness, and invite you to come into their heart and into their life. Father, I pray if there are Christians that have gotten off track, we've listened to the devil's lies and, and we've hurled insults and hurtful words, and untruths. Oh God, may we be convicted today, and we would recommit our life to follow you. I think about what Jesus said in 1 Peter 2.23, when it says, when they hurled insults, he did not retaliate. When he suffered he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Father, may we entrust ourselves unto you. Lord, maybe there's someone that's been visiting this church and, and they want to be a part of a church that's trying to rebuild your way and not ours. I pray, God, that you would bring new family members into this family of faith. Oh God, I pray daily that you would keep a hedge of protection around this church and around each family that Satan would not have any glory or victory. Bind Satan. Help us, oh Lord, to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. So Father, just give us the strength, the boldness, the courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to make the commitment you would have us to make even now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand. And we're going to sing a hymn of commitment, hymn of decision. If you should feel led 
again, no pressure whatsoever to make a commitment to protect unity. This altar is open, or if you want to lift a hand, I'll pray a prayer at the end, but won't you come as the Holy Spirit leads? Oh, Father, we, many have gathered at this altar and others praying from their seats and others praying on live stream. Come, Lord, to show our commitment to you and that we pledge as followers of Christ to show a watching world that we are one in the bond of love, that we come together as family of faith to do spiritual warfare against the enemy, which is Satan. And I pray, God, as I've prayed for many, many years, that your heads of protection would be around this church and around each family, around each individual. Protect us from Satan's fiery darts and arrows. And I pray, God, you would extinguish them. And may we show you we love you by the way we love you 
and the way we love others. So, Father, we make this commitment today, and we just claim that Satan has been defeated, that he has no glory or victory in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in your church. And, God, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, and we just are just watching Satan fall like lightning today in defeat. We love you and praise you. In the strong name of Jesus, we make this commitment. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. You may return to your seats right now. and We are going to prepare our hearts for communion, the Lord's Supper. And so at this time, if we can return to our seats. And if you're watching at home, then we uh, want you to join us. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have a personal relationship with him, we invite you to join us for this time of communion, understanding that the bread symbolizes his body, which was broken for us, and the juice symbolizes his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. I'm so grateful to see some of our children who have already made that commitment joining us today. Guys, we're thankful that you all are here. You did a great job singing, and now you get to take part in this time of communion. But may we have a prayer for the bread. God, thank you for your body that was broken for us, that while you were on the cross, we were on your mind. We can't even begin to express our humble gratitude for everything you've done for us. And I pray, God, that we would live our lives in such a way to bring glory and honor to you. Forgive me, forgive us of any sin that would hinder our hearts today because we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after they ate the bread, they took the cup. And may we have a blessing for the cup. God, we know that this cup represents your blood that was shed. And we know that Father, you tell us in 1 Peter 4.8 that above all else, we are to love because love covers a multitude of sins. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and for your blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. May we strive to live each day so that a watching world might see that we're on God's team. We serve our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose precious and holy and strong name we pray. Amen. Jesus said, whenever you drink this cup, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And after... They ate, they sang together. I'm going to invite you to stand. Thank you so much for being here today, allowing the Holy Spirit to be here. A couple of reminders. 
Tonight, there is a Super Bowl party for our students from 6 to 8. If you're in 6th to 12th grade, join the students for a Super Bowl party. There's going to be prizes, pizza, raisin canes, chicken tenders. It's going to be a great time. You don't want to miss. We also are beginning a new discipleship class, praying scriptures over your children and or grandchildren from 6 to 8, or excuse me, 6 to 7, and we hope you'll join us for that. And there are other small groups going on as well. Don't forget to join us Wednesday for a time of fellowship around the table, prayer meeting in here. Thank you so much for coming. Please know that my family and I love you, and most importantly, God loves you, and I hope you'll tell somebody about his love even today, as we sing a closing song. pray God as we go from this place may we shout it by our lifestyles not just our words but the way we live how great you are in Jesus name amen, amen. amen.